0: Well, good morning, awakening. Good morning. Good to see you and good to see you at home. I know there's several watch parties that are going on. I even got word of those before I stepped up here today. Hey, we're bunkering back with friends and we're hanging doing a watch party. So it's just a new cool day for us as a church to be able to do the both and both uh, here in house and to be able to also do live streams. So thanks for joining us. My name is Carrie and as lead pastor, it is just a joy to be able to lead us as a church body, even through some difficult, challenging times. If you're new, whether you're new here this morning or maybe you're new online, we are glad that you've checked us out and uh, just want to encourage you that if you'd like to know more about The Awakening uh, Church, that you can just email um, the, uh, this address, which is connect at theawakening.church and we'd be more than glad to answer any questions, let you know about what's going on at the church and how we can be of encouragement to you personally. Now, these are uh, family service days, so we're either all in-houses families or we are at watch parties together with families. I know uh, one of the watch parties has a lot of little ones running around, so our whole uh, preschool early childhood ministry, I think, is bunkered into one home running around, that kind of deal. But we uh, say hi to you guys there as well as to others. But for those of you who have children or kids, if you're watching, make sure that you also watch today Kids Church because Kids Church is online. And you can go to the Facebook webpage, uh, The Awakening Kids Church, and Beth and Devin do a great job of communicating uh, God's truth in a practical manner there, not only for kids, but also for adults. So we encourage you to do that. I want to uh, just uh, also encourage us to continue to be faithful with our tithes and offerings during uh, this season, which is very unique. Many of you are giving online, which is great. You can go to our website, uh, or you can actually take out your phone right now and text the word AWAKENING to this number, 77977, and you can give uh, a one-time gift or set up something on a regular basis. There's a lot of comings and goings during the summer, so it's sort of helpful to be able to have people dial in and give regularly through even electronic means. So that's uh, a word of encouragement to all of us as we continue to journey uh, through these days. I want to just uh, acknowledge that I know there are ongoing spiritual needs and concerns that need to be addressed in the body of Christ. And because not all of us are gathering, and many of the uh, life groups have sort of paired now back for the summer. I know my life group on Tuesday, this is our last week with a little bit of a potluck kind of meal and game night kind of deal. But uh, I don't want us to go through the summer... Uh, not having the support and the encouragement that we need spiritually. So if you ever need any prayer in your life, um, just email pray at theawakening.church. And we will uh, have the staff pray for that. We'll have leaders pray for that or any other encouragement that maybe you need. And if you're new or maybe you're sort of disconnected and you're dialing in today or maybe you don't even live in California, I don't know, uh, please do not hesitate Uh, to send in your prayer request, and to do so through this means. Now, what I'd like to do this morning, I know Joe just prayed for us, and it was great to be led in worship by our band, but I am mindful that where you're seated here this morning, where you're seated out at homes, that there are burdens that we are carrying. And so I would like us to take the burdens that we have And take them to the Lord and pray strategically as well because things are changing a little bit. We're going to be talking about that here this morning, uh, even in our culture and what's going on. But I want us to always come into the Lord's house and remember that it's to be a house of prayer. That was a specific instruction of Christ. And he was quite frustrated when churches became something other than houses of prayer. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me, and we're just going to spend a few moments praying to the Lord about some of the needs that maybe are across the body, and maybe their are needs that you're carrying this morning. Our Lord Jesus Christ, we come before you because you made the way for us to go into the most holy of place through your work on the cross and through the power of your resurrection. And so, Jesus, we come into your presence, and we acknowledge that we are a needy people. We are a people that are dependent upon you, and even today, as we look into your word, Lord, we just pray that we would receive from you the nourishment and the strength, spiritually, scripturally, but, Lord, also emotionally, physically, and mentally, that we need to carry on with these gifted lives that you've given to us. And so, Lord, we acknowledge our need of you and ask that we would receive from your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray for one another, whether they're seated beside us in a large room or in a living room. Lord, we pray one for another, the particular needs that maybe we know, even in this moment, to lift up a particular name, a burden, a need. And we come to you not merely with our petitions, Lord. We come to you with our gratitude, knowing that you can effectively work and bring about change because you are the great and mighty God that we just worshipped. And we don't want to go anywhere that you do not go before us. And so, Lord, we pray in your will that these needs, the names of these people, these burdens, that we would pray in your will, Lord, and your will would be done. Lord, may you be glorified in every situation, whether big or small. Lord, may we be a body that prays for one another, even during the course of these months where there's a lot of comings and goings. And Lord Jesus, we want to pray for our nation and really the world. Lord, we acknowledge that uh, this has been a journey this year. And we pray, God, that you would protect people physically with their health, Lord, with the COVID-19 virus coming back uh, a little bit stronger and some things, we pray, God, that you would allow us to truly um, be protected by your grace. Every household that's represented here through this church, Lord, even those connect with us, Lord, protect us. And Jesus, we would pray as a people, and maybe we've stopped praying this way, but Lord, we pray that you would heal this land and heal this world and that this COVID-19 virus would go away. And that, Lord, you would be glorified because uh, uh, experts and medical personnel would step back and go, we don't know what happened other than that there was some divine intervention. So, Lord, be glorified in these moments here and around the world with something, a pandemic that has caused us to have an awful lot of pause and disruption in our life. Lord, we pray that you would bring healing. Your word says we have not because we ask not or we ask amiss. And so, Lord, we ask that you would bring healing upon our land physically. And we ask not amiss. We ask for your glory, Lord, in all of this. And, Lord, still for some of the social injustice and challenges uh, on the racial front that are in different pockets and different places stronger than others maybe we pray god that there would be a centering in and a finding of peace in you and knowing that lord that behind it all stands a need for lives to be changed through the transforming power of the holy spirit because you love all people equally and lord jesus you desire that all would be saved as well and so lord we pray for our land in that regards Lord, there's so many other paths that we could go down to pray corporately, but we pause as a church to be a house of prayer here this morning and in the homes. May we not neglect that foremost calling for us as a people, for us as families, and for us as individuals. Lord, strengthen us and strengthen the tie that binds us together. And of course, Lord, that which binds us to you and your kingdom's work. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, I don't know about you, but I decided to do a little mini-series out of the need of my own heart and some of the things we just prayed about. Can you believe this is the last Sunday of June? Like, we're here in the summer, and, and next weekend is July 4th weekend, and I don't know. I guess maybe no fireworks, whatever. I know there's some people in my neighborhood that need to be tracked down with fireworks. But I want you to sort of spend today and these moments in a bit of a, a pause and breathe. Can you breathe for me? Three deep breaths. You ready? One. Here we are at the end of June. Breath number two. We're heading into July. Breath three. Someday, kids will go back to school. (laughs) Life runs, doesn't it? Are you running on a treadmill today? Maybe you're not on a treadmill, but you're out there on the highways and the byways, and you're jogging, and you're running, and it's just times moving. You know, 2020 has been quite a year, has it not? I mean, we roll into this year off the hills of Christmas, and things seem to be going fairly well. Then there's a whole impeachment kind of thing going on. And then before you know it, you know, when you got lowest job uh, unemployment in the nation, and then all of a sudden, a pandemic hits, and the pandemic moves us to the highest place of unemployment. That's nuts. And then on the heels of that, in the midst of all of it, really, is, is the uh, social justice issue and, and the racism that's being uh, debated and talked about, and rightly so, and openly encouragement that all tr- people would be treated equal in the eyes of God. And then, what sort of happened this last week here or so? We thought maybe we were getting back to normal, and now what? Oh, some of the restrictions might be coming back. Masks are mandatory except for people preaching, I guess. And if you're social distance, six feet, which most of you all are here, you know, it's like, oh, my goodness, what could be next? Well, I want us to breathe. I want us to relax. I want us to center ourselves in afresh for this summer. And I want to do just a couple, maybe more weeks here, I don't know, but probably just a couple on a summer reset. We just need to have a reset. It'd be sort of like nice to reset all of 2020, wouldn't it? Just like, Can we just go back and do this one over again, God? Could we put another play uh, in the playbook for 2020? A summer reset. And one of the reasons that uh, I was encouraged by this is because I've been dialing into my own soul which you're going to hear a little bit more about today, but I've also been observing you folks because I sense the need to continually challenge us one to another that we would be able to walk through these continued days of challenge centered where God wants us to be. Part of it was from a couple phone calls I had this week. I had phone calls with a couple friends, solid believers, Jesus people, uh, trying to do the best for God, and they were in other states. One was on the East Coast, one was more towards the South. And uh, one of the calls was like I, I spent most of my time trying to talk the person off the ledge. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's going on? What's going to happen if this doesn't go this way? Or if this doesn't happen that way? Yes, God, what are you doing in all this? But I'm concerned, that kind of thing. And I'm like, hey, hey, I hear you with that. I have a lot of empathy with what you're saying with that. But you know what? Um, God's still sovereign. And we define the word sovereign as God's in control of all things and always at all times. And even if Some of those things might develop that are not that good. God still got plans and purposes in the midst of it. The second guy I talked to is actually a pastor, and and, uh, I was just refreshed talking with him because of where he was centered at in his life. He had just uh, recently resigned from his church uh, to do some other things that God had led him to do, and uh, he was engaging with that. We were talking about it. I was trying to encourage him to come back to Southern California, that kind of thing. But he had a sense of peace and refreshment to himself. And maybe it's because he'd resigned being a pastor and he didn't have all the rigors of that kind of thing and responsibility of others, I don't know. But we need to keep ourselves centered no matter what the ebb and flow of our culture and our weekly uh, news cycle is. Do you need a summer reset Today, I would like to talk about priorities because this is what's happened with my heart afresh in these first couple weeks because we long for summers, don't we? Wow, summers pair back a little bit and we get to do a few things, but you know, we roll right off the heels of being able to gather again a little bit for worship for some of us and others of us, you know, uh, worshiping in our homes, that kind of thing, but it's not the same. And I'm like, Where's everybody at on Sunday? I know you're out there. You can wave to me from your home. Thank you. But it's different in-house still. We persevered for three months up here, just the tech guys and me standing and Joe, and, and, and who would come and go and some, and we're like ready to move past that. Let's just go back. And we talked about the new normal. and That I don't like it. I don't like it. I want it to be like it was. And... I have a staff that I work with. They're great people, and we gather and connect every Wednesday, whether by zoom or in person, and, and we're like, "Hey, we're back in as summer, let's ramp up let's do some of the things we normally do, but we can't." And that frustrates me, and now it's like, you know, I, I read something this week that the uh, college football people are thinking about whether they should even have college football this fall. And I'm like, "No, no, no. I like football. It's my diversion. But I don't know. You don't know. None of us know. The administration in the White House doesn't know. Congress doesn't know. But we do know one thing God is sovereign, He is in control. And as I share with my staff, I said, let's come back and let's make sure that we're well connected this summer. And let's enjoy this summer in the presence of the Lord. And let's make sure our hearts are full, that we're strengthened in the Holy Spirit, that we're walking as God would order us to walk. And maybe by God's grace, things make a turn towards the fall. I don't know if it's not towards the fall, the end of the year. Maybe God has some other kinds of really wild plans for us moving forward. But I do know this, we can't live in limbo and anxiety and be on the edge every week. I've referenced it as a sort of chaos uh, crisis kind of stuff, And, and it's like you can't live in that. So let's come back and let's talk about a reset in our life. You may be doing fine. You may be like my friend from the East Coast, and he's centered well, his soul is good. Or you may be like my other friend, where I was like, hey, don't jump, man, it's okay. Whatever your place of soul is right now, Let's look briefly at a summer reset of some priorities. Will you do that for me? I'm going to have us look at Matthew 6. And in Matthew 6, you have the words of Jesus. These are words of Jesus. These aren't my words. Sometimes I think I don't have much to say. I really don't. But I hope Jesus does to you today. And in Jesus 6, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount to a mass of people. And he says this in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, or when you're going back to school or when things are going to get the same in-house for church. Do not worry about these things. I added those, yes. Or when COVID's going to die out. Or when the social justice issue is going to have some peace brought into It's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to their life? Got some worry going on? Well, I imagine you do, because you're a human being. We have a tendency to worry. And Jesus says, hey, who can add a single outer of their life by worrying? And then he says this in Matthew six thirty three: But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will, have, will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What if Jesus walked in here? Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is here. And he stands up and he speaks to the masses. Not really a mass today, but faithful today, yes. He would tell us to not be on the edge of the cliff. But to seek first the kingdom of God, which is his rule and reign, and his righteousness, his upright standing. And all these things, all the concerns, all your needs, and maybe it's not the macro needs of what's happening in our nation. Maybe you have a financial need. Maybe you have a physical need. Maybe you have a relationship need where there's a relationship that's broken. Maybe you just have an ongoing um, difficult situation in your home life. Jesus would say to you, don't worry. Stay true. Seek the kingdom in my righteousness Steady as you go. I came across this quote. Maybe you've seen it. It says, when worry walks in, strength runs out. But strength returns when we let God in. So, what do we do with the worry? How do we get the strength? Well, you're familiar with this passage. You maybe not know where it came from. We're going to look at it briefly as well. But in Nehemiah 8.10 Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you have any context for when and how he spoke this word, Nehemiah? Nehemiah was the guy who was commissioned by God to come back from the Babylonian captivity that the Israelites had been taken into to help rebuild the walls of Jerusalem after a generation, 50, 60 years of exile or more. And so Nehemiah came back, but Nehemiah also ended up having the priest come back, which was Ezra. And Ezra ended up speaking to the masses on this particular day if you've got your scriptures you can turn with me to nehemiah in nehemiah 10 we find i mean nehemiah 8 we find uh, this recorded when the seventh month came and the israelites had settled in their towns all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. I want you to catch this because what we're going through, whether it's in our community, as our nation, or even in the world, is not new. There are crisis seasons and there are changes that come on the edge of crisis. It's interesting because this whole COVID journey started on the heels of us doing a series in the book of Habakkuk. Do you remember that? And Habakkuk was a prophet who complained to God about what was happening in Israel at the time. And he cried out to God, Oh God, why why don't you do something? Look at your people, they're a mess, and and this and that. And God said, "All right, hang on, I'm going to do something. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take you all away. I'm going to place you into the hands of the Babylonians. What? Habakkuk would say, Those evil, despicable people, they're worse than what's going on in my country. God said, trust me. And Habakkuk chose to trust God. He had to trust God. He gave the message. He interacted with God. And so they went into exile for this generation or so. Can you imagine being in exile, being taken not a few states away, but a few countries away? Let's say we're going to get, you know, we're just going to send you down. All of us get sent down into Central America. All right? And you're going to be there until you die and your kids are raised up. And your homelands are going to be broken down. And your hearts are going to long for home. Our hearts long for some sameness. But their hearts longed not just for sameness and, and the way things were. Their hearts longed for place as well. We shelter in place. At least we have a place, right? They really didn't have place. So... That prophet Habakkuk was right. They were dispersed. But then God spoke to Nehemiah. Nehemiah came back, started to rebuild the walls. Ezra's there. And the people start coming back because the Babylonians have been taken over by the Persians. And so there was a release that happened for the Israelites to go back to their homeland. So they all come back, but when they come back, they go, oh man, look at the place. It's not like what it was. And we're all disconnected. But they weren't just disconnected from their homeland. They had been disconnected from God in their hearts. And so, in this crisis deal, Ezra the priest stands up. He's been exhorted to open the first five books of what we have as our Bible, which is the Law of Moses. Tens of thousands of people standing. They build a platform for him. And he begins to speak, and he begins to just read. I don't know if he was a very good reader. I hope he was, to hold their interest. Six hours, they're standing, and they were reading Genesis, Exodus, through the law of Moses. And they started to realize God was there for us. God brought us out of Egypt. We have been a wayward people like they were in the wilderness. That's why we were exiled into Babylon. And now we've been brought back and they had conviction in their heart about who they were as a people and what they had become as a nation. But God was restoring them. He was using crisis and challenge to bring people back to center. And so he brought them to this moment with Ezra. And when they hear this, they literally, they fall down on their faces and they begin to weep in brokenness and repentance. Oh, God, we're sorry. God, change our hearts. recenter us. Reset us. And then a strange thing happens with this verse. He reminds us, like, hey, get up. This is a good day. Yes, rightful repentance and recentering and resetting our life. But Nehemiah says, go and enjoy choice choose food and, and wine and send some to those who don't have anything. This day is holy to our God. Whoa, things are changing. We're resetting ourselves back to God. And we're going to restore this city of Jerusalem and our nation. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You see, I've watched this because I've watched it myself. I'm still on a news diet. It's actually going quite well. I chose to watch news again last night for one hour, no, local and national. And I again got all anxious and worried. I'm like, whoa, I guess the numbers are bigger than I thought, maybe, and some other stuff, right? Friends, our world, and I'm not coming down on any particular mean way on media, news, that kind of things But friends, they are selling fear. And fear is a deadly commodity. And you and I as believers in Christ, and you and I as friends of those who are outside of Christ, we better be careful. Because what fear will do, it will crush us internally. And it will keep us from seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness and doing His work in this day and age. But if we seek the joy of the Lord... We will have strength and renewal in our life to do what we're called to be doing. And we need to recalibrate. We need to reset. We need to relook at our priorities. Some of you are familiar with a guy by the name of uh, Stephen Covey. And uh, he wrote a book 30 years ago, this past year called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Any of you read it? It's been New York Times, top of the list, business management kind of book. And the reason, it's not pop psychology. It has to do with issues of integrity, honesty, hard work, those kinds of things. And so it's sort of had this lasting impact. There's been other kinds of books that have been written around it. And so it's been 30 years ago this book's been around. In this book, he talks uh, about the seven effective Habits of people, priorities, if you will. The first three are be proactive. Second is begin with the end in mind. And the third is put first things first. And and you could plow into each of those. And there are probably some kingdom impact kind of things that we could look at those. I want us to look just briefly here at this, put first things first. If we're going to have the joy of the Lord in our life, then what do we need to do? We need to reset. We need to recalibrate. What needs to be first? What needs to be second, right? The priorities, And the priorities, um, he uh, pulls back what's called the Eisenhower Matrix. Dwight Eisenhower was like 34th president of the United States. He was uh, uh, the uh, commander of the army, the supreme commander, actually, of the Allied forces in World War II. And uh, he had a lot of responsibilities. And Dwight Eisenhower had what he had was this matrix with all the different decisions and things he had to be doing. How did he sort of map his way through it? Some of you may be seeing this before, but I think it's very helpful, and hang with me as we walk through it just briefly. It's a matrix of four different quadrants. These four different quadrants um, have the distinction between what's urgent in our life and what's not urgent in our life, and what's important in our life and what's not important in our life. And I could have you all do homework right now, but then we'd all be here for a while, but you can do it this afternoon or tomorrow, right? And quadrant number one is those things that are urgent and they're important. Now, maybe it's something that happens medically. and You've got to take care of it, right? Or maybe it's an email that comes in and you've got to address it back. It's an important email and it's urgent and you need to deal with it. So that's quadrant number one. Quadrant, quadrant number two is those things that are important but they're not necessarily urgent. You'd like to get to them, you know that they are value-giving in your life and be value-giving for your family, even. But you know, they're not over here in the urgent category, but they're really they're important. You know that they're important. You've been taught that they're important. All right? So that's quadrant number two. Quadrant quadrant number three is those things that are not important, but they're still urgent. It seems like, you know, it's got to get done. Somebody's got to do this. You know, it's not really that important to me, but it's really urgent that it is done. And then quadrant number four is uh, those things that are not urgent and those things that are not important. So what Dwight Eisenhower did is he, he, he broke up all of his responsibilities in these four quadrants and maybe did so every week. Like what's in one, what's in two, what's in three, what's in four. It's a good exercise to do, actually. And then you have to decide what to do. Put first things first, right? So what's going to be the first things first? Well, the reality is that number two ends up emerging as some of the first stuff that you and I need to do and to focus on. Number one, things that are urgent and important, just just do them. Get them out of the way. Just, Just move past them best you can. But number two, you better plan on it. You better establish priorities and begin moving that direction because that's where you want to be going, number two. Number three, those things that are not important and urgent, uh, you need to delegate them. Get somebody else to do them, right? And then number four is those things that aren't urgent and they're not important, just eliminate them. Get rid of them. You don't have to do them. Be free. Some of you need to hear that for... And some of you wives are going, but that that honey-do list really is in category number two over here, right? (laughs) I find a lot of times the chaos, anxiety in our souls is we're just overwhelmed. Just just a flood of responsibilities, and we never get at all of them. And we run out of week to be able to accomplish them. What are we going to do? Well, I want us to focus... Well, number two, important, not urgent. Because those things are ultimately going to end up feeding your soul. I'm going to share with you four priorities. These priorities are in quadrant number two. They have been for me. I have to circle back around to them, and I had to circle back around to them in the last couple weeks when I went, oh, my gosh, the summer's moving on. I like summers. What are we going to do? How do we make valued time? And so here's four priorities. We won't anchor in them long. Maybe your responsibility is to go back and reestablish what your priorities are as you stay in those things that are important but not necessarily urgent in your own life. Four priorities, I call them my four P's. I remember sharing this with Joe when we first started working together on staff, and Joe always brings them back to me sometimes. Oh, man, my four Ps, like you talk about. I need to work with them, right? P number one is person. I am a person first, and I have a relationship with Christ. It has to begin there. My priorities, if my soul is not full, then watch out, world and family, Things may not be good if you're around me. I'm a person first. I have a relationship with Christ, and He longs to have a relationship with me. And some of you, you have um, a relationship with Jesus, and I'm so grateful for that. I want you to cultivate that. That's why I put this up here first. Some of you, though, have never seriously entertained the idea that God wants to have a personal relationship with you. And I want to encourage you to seek him. Scripture says, when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. And Jesus says that he laid down his life for us to be his friends. It's not some big God way out there. It's an intimate journey with someone who loves you and laid his life down for you. And if you've never crossed that line of having a personal faith with Jesus Christ, I encourage you to do so. It begins right there, number one. What about this, 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 all of my checklist? Let's start with that relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, probably the one, one of the most intimate chapters you can ever find with the words of Jesus, is found in John chapter 17. It's called the high priestly prayer. Jesus praying for his disciples, his followers. And in verse 3, he says this, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Friends, even if you sail through COVID and don't get it, unless the Lord Jesus Christ returns, everyone in this room and everyone via... Multi uh, on uh, virtual means we will die. We will pass from this life. Eternal life is found in knowing Christ, in knowing God. But that eternal life begins today. It's not oh wait until after I die. And so the word for eternal life is really a fullness of life and everything in life. If you want to have eternal, a full life, then. Know God and know Jesus. My one friend, my one pastor friend I talked to, we spent a significant amount of time just sharing a little bit on this whole subject of, uh, in one sense, life coaching and how do we help others draw near to Jesus. I call it the interior life and that we need to focus on the interior life of our relationship with Christ And here we are. Whoa, things are moving. Summer's coming, going. What do we got over plans? Let's get this ready. I was in one of those modes this week. What's the family vacation going to be? All that kind of stuff. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Am I just getting a bunch of busy activity going? Or am I going to allow my own soul and my family to spend time in being able to know God and know Jesus more? Because this is at the heart of what we need to walk a steady road in whatever manner of life we are given from one year to the next. That's why the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ. It was a passion and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing His sufferings. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me i was walking in this morning as you were if you were around or if you're here (laughs) there is a big tree branch that fell right outside our door pastor zach calls me last night he came back by the church you want me to cut that up and try to get rid of it and i'm like how big is it he says it's sort of big i don't know if i can move it i said forget it we'll leave it there the hoa people they need to deal with that kind of thing right and so i said hey I think we'll have plenty of parking spaces today, right? And so I'm like, you know, I, I'm walking in this morning. I'm like, wow, it looked like a really healthy tree. Why did that big branch just fall off of it? And it was low enough where it ripped off and was laying that I couldn't look in. And if you look in on your way out now, see, those of you at home, you're like, well, I can't. I'm not there. You're right. But these folks can On your way out, you look at that tree. And it is healthy. But... Up towards where it broke off is this big knot, and the knot is mushy. It's rotted. And that branch grew so strong that the weight of the branch caused the dysfunction, if you will, the brokenness, the rottenness of the trunk to topple it off. And I find that true in our lives. We grow, we pile more things on, we're doing stuff, we're moving ahead. But the weight of life gets so heavy on us, and we've not developed the interior life, or there's some sin that's sort of moving its way around and the uglies in us, and it's not being dealt with through the power of Christ. And there's not wholesomeness in our trunk, and the weight of the world that you're living in will cause something to break. It'll cause something to break. And so our priorities begin putting first things first. Finding the joy of the Lord is our strength. You're right. And that joy is found in the personal, intimate, growing, passionate relationship with Jesus Christ. How much of your week is scheduled for that purpose? I'll get to it. Oh, man, I can't believe I... I was going to do more Bible reading. I was going to spend more time meditating or praying or interacting or just contemplating things of God. Your first P is you're a person first. You have a relationship with Christ. The second P is you're a partner second. When you have a relationship with your spouse, and if you're not married, you have relationships with others, even cross-gender relationships, and there's value in protecting those. But for those of you who are married, partner is number two. Number two, and we need to nourish that relationship. And it changes from one season to the next. You know, from the initial, you know, getting to know one another, some of the infatuation, falling in love, that kind of thing. And then it migrates into, you know, a a marriage and the beauty of that and the honeymoon season. And it's not that that intimate love needs to disappear whatsoever, but other things start coming, right? The children start coming along, other responsibilities at work, right? You have aging parents you're taking care of. And before you know it, you're taking your relationship with your spouse for granted. Number two is you're a partner and you have a relationship with your spouse. You know, they came to Jesus once and they tried to trip him up on the whole divorce thing. Well, what do you think about getting a divorce? You know, you sort of, you know, Moses allowed this and that. And he just looked at him and shook his head probably. And he went back and quoted the Old Testament. And Jesus says in Matthew 19, 4, haven't you read? He replied, That at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. You know, there's a lot of people disappointed with their wedding plans during COVID. I know. My one, well, both my sons have had people that have had go from, you know, their their big, nice uh, wedding site uh, excursions, uh, venues, and all they had prepared to just getting married in the backyard. And in fact, that recently happened uh, here with someone who had a plan to get married in and, and, and a, a bigger uh, type of venue, and, and it just got married in the backyard. Now, here's the deal. Jesus was still in the backyard as much as he would have been at the big venue, so it's still precious and still in the sight of God and all that's incredible for that. But there's some disappointment in that, right? There's some disappointment in that. But I've encouraged people that have been challenged with wedding plans. Some of you know what that's like, right? Some of you maybe. More distant. You did get married, right? Okay. That so much of the focus ends up being in those months leading up to the wedding on the wedding ceremony. Not on the marriage. You have to focus on the marriage foundation because what it's about is not the wedding ceremony. It's about the marriage. Two lives becoming one. Not only one flesh, but one spirit. But I've seen wedding plans actually tear people apart. You're like, What? This is not good, right? Stay focused on the marriage. Don't focus on all the various ceremonies that you have in life once you're married. And make sure that that's priority number two, and you're cultivating that healthy relationship with your spouse. Just parking, spending time. Sometimes my wife and I, our weeks have been going where we sort of like two ships in the night, right? We're just passing each other. It's like, hey, we just need to sit down and debrief and share. Well, how are things With your soul, what's going on, physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, even, stay communing together, to be one. So that's priority number two: is you're a partner. All right. Priority one: I'm a person. I have a relationship with Christ. Priority number two: is I'm a partner. I have a relationship with my spouse. Guess what? These are all Ps. We'll let you guess. Priority number three is you're a parent. You have a relationship with your family. You have a relationship with your kids. It's interesting right on the hills of what Jesus shares there about the marriage. He also says this in Matthew 19, verse 13. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked him. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. You know, some of you don't have your own kids, but you're close enough to maybe uh, your nieces and nephews, they call you uncle or aunt, so-and-so. Or maybe you have friends who have kids, and they just love you, and you love them, and you spend time together, and they almost start calling you uncle and aunt, even though you're not blood-related, right? Have you ever thought about Jesus? He was never married. He never had any kids. He lived as a carpenter up until the age of 30 in Nazareth. He also had time in Capernaum and some other places in the Galilee area. Do you think that Jesus had little kids that loved him and would go and cling and hang with him and say, I went to see Uncle Jesus. Now, some of you may go, that's a little sacrilegious, Kerry. Say? No, he was a real person. He lived. He walked. And there were kids that were drawn to him. And here's the disciples like, hey, not now, not now. No, the importance, the importance of young lives and whether they're infants, preschoolers, elementary, high school, teenagers, college age, young adults, we have family that we're connected with and we need to see them as priority number 3. You're a part, you're a person first, you're a partner second, you're a parent third. Lean into those relationships. I am amazed. And we spent all last week on Father's Day um, talking about you know, how to be a spiritual leader as a father in the home. And for all of us a nurture givers, go back and listen to some of last week. Um, didn't mean to beat everybody up last week. But I wanted to encourage us the importance of being able to pass off to our kids, those we nurture, the values of being a spiritually attuned person. We do not have a very big window with our children. Have you noticed that? The days go by slowly, but the years go by fast. We need to isolate moments and times with family. This was one of my convictions this last couple of weeks. We had some thoughts about what we could do for a family vacation this year, to be honest with you. I had not taken the responsibility to get my family on a vacation ever since I came here seven years ago. What we do is we go back to see family in the Midwest. And so what we used to do with our kids when they were younger and some really fond memories is we would have a vacation to get away and do something fun, memorable. But as life just moves, especially as they become young adults and my young men, they're in different directions, responsibilities. How could all six of us get together? You know, my wife and I and our three boys and our our daughter, how do we get together and do something? You know, and it's such a small window during the summer, even in the windows of the years. But thankfully, by God's grace, he orchestrated something for us to be able to have a week away of family vacation uh, in July. And it was just fun talking about it. And how do we do a vacation that sort of everybody likes because they're all, man, they're all made different. But then how do we pull away to make sure that we're staying safe in the environment and the, the COVID thing? And my, my wife, as some of you know, has lupus. And so there's the autoimmune concern and all that's a part of her life as she's on that journey and God's helping her with it. And we're like, okay, how do we deal with this? And, and God's worked something out. And I'm like really looking forward to it. I trust everybody behaves on my vacation so they don't ruin it for me, right? No. (laughs) I'm sure things will go wrong. Safe places, still times, special friends, and it begins with special family. Have you prioritized family in your life? And I'm not saying a vacation necessarily. What I'm saying is time to breathe life into your children, no matter what age that they are. So that's number three, a person, a partner, and a parent. And number four, and this directly would apply to me, but I'm going to change it up here in a second, is number four, I'm a pastor. I have a relationship with the church. And I've stood before church bodies before with my four Ps and had to remind people at the church, and sometimes people like it, sometimes people walk out the church on me, I don't know. But I have to remind that you're in fourth place. I have to remind myself that I remember my early years when we were married, Melissa and I, and we were starting a church and there was a lot of activity and things to do because there was nobody to do it kind of deal that she one day said to me in reference. She says, you know, and it was growing. I guess it was another season. Now I think about it. And it was like, Carrie, I feel like you have a mistress. And your mistress is the church. That sort of. That did. It bothered me. And I had to think about that. Because my priorities weren't necessarily in line. I am a pastor. I love being a pastor. But it's in fourth place. And I have a relationship with the body of Christ, the church. But so do you. Because you are called to be part of a body of people. Now, because I want to stay with the P words, I thought I could put the word parishioner up there, but none of you would know what parishioner is unless you came out of like a Catholic church or a ecumenical church, a kind of uh, Episcopal church or something. A parish is where they would define a certain area and they'd say, all right, now this is your area. We're going to put a church there and everybody in that area needs to go to that church. All right. And so if you had a parish, that's why a lot of churches were built. uh, I don't know about around here because of all the boom growth in later years. But in in, uh, former places back east is that you would have a church put on a corner and there would be no parking. Why is there no parking? Because people walked to church. That was their parish. And if they did park, they parked along the street. A parish was defined in a geographical area. And I sort of like that in one sense. I don't mind the word uh, parishioner, but that is a little bit too much archaic to me and probably doesn't ring true with you. So I thought I would even go one step further and bother you even more by putting another word up here that you're going like, what is he going to do with that word? Is he just really trying to stretch to get another P word? You're a priest. You're a priest. You have relationship with others. In your oikos. Oikos is a Greek word for your household, extended household, your friends, your family, your co-workers, all right? Your recreational partners and buddies. You have a network and you have responsibility with them. In fact, it's your place to forward the kingdom of God. You are a priest, and where does this priest idea comes from? First Peter two nine says this. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. What? That's where the priesthood of all believers comes from. The idea that you're a priest, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of light and into His wonderful, out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people but now you are the people of God once you do not did not receive mercy but now you have received mercy i could put the word people up there but it didn't really work when i said hey you're a person first you're a partner second you're a parent third and then you're a people fourth well you can use the word people if you want but i want to use the word priest because the priest idea is embedded in scripture it's a radical change i'm not going to spend time here but next week i am i'm going to come back to this priestly idea but i want to say this a prophet is somebody who speaks to people on behalf of God a priest is someone who speaks to God on behalf of the people and you have a responsibility in your life to represent God to people well and to commune in the body of Christ. That's why it's so frustrating when they're, you know, hey, we're split at home watching, maybe on the road, some people out vacationing this summer. I understand that some of us here is like, I want the body together, not for attendance number sakes to turn into some denominational stats. I want the body together because you're part of the family. I love you. I care for you. This is one of the joys of being able to be a part of a local church is we get to journey together through the highs and the lows, the brokenness, the bad times, and the celebratory times. We get to be there and support one another. God intended for us to be a people of His very own. And if we don't give priority to being a part of the body of Christ and being a priest in our oikos, then we are missing out on something really important that's not maybe necessarily urgent in our life. Oh, I don't need to go. I'm good. I don't need to watch online today. I'm fine. I'll get this. I'll get back around to it sometime later this week. And I'm glad if that's, that's the way it works out. That We have live stream to be able to do that. But friends, we can't neglect being there for one another. That's why I told the staff this week, let's spend time making sure we're connected well together as family, as the body of Christ. Because the greatest gift we can give to you as a church is for us as a staff to have good relationships. So we're, n- now that some of the restaurants are open, I don't know how far apart we're going to have to sit. But we're all going to go out and eat at a restaurant this week for staff meeting. Because I want our summer to make sure that we're staying connected one with another. So there are four priorities for you this morning. I just simply list them. You're a person first. You have a relationship with Christ. You're a partner second. You have a relationship with your spouse. You're a parent third. You have a relationship with your family and kids. And friends, whether you call it pastor or priest, you have a relationship with others in your oikos. Are those priorities being reset in your life this summer? Or are you overtaken by the worries and the concerns? Matthew 6, Can we read this together? You can say it at home. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's pray. Lord, in these moments, we ask that you would help us reset for the summer. To reset priorities and align them. Lord, it's not always easy. It's not black and white. It's not a legalistic thing, but Lord, help us to order our days accordingly. For out of the overflow of our intimate relationship with you, we're able to invest in the relationships around us. Lord, out of the intimacy of our relationship with our spouse and the wholeness that can be a part of that relationship through growing years is the greatest gift that we can give to our children, a healthy marriage. And Lord, for our children, whether young or old, Lord, may we be faithful and responsible to them in their season of life, not catering or pandering to them, but, Lord, protecting, guarding, supporting, championing them in whatever way you call us to. Lord, may we do well with our parenting roles this summer. And, Lord, finally, as pastor and priest, may we shepherd well those who are around us in the body of Christ and then to the world, our oikos at large. Lord, for your glory, realign us Build the interior life so that the weight of the world and the concerns of the world don't break us apart. May we be strong, and may we be strong through the joy that we have in you. God's people said, amen. God bless. Offerings are in offering baskets, or you can give your offering online, as I mentioned. It's great to have you here this week. We'll see you next week for another summer reset moment. God bless.